Section 19 of Loop Guru. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Jim Nienaber. Loop Guru by Eden Philpotts. Pete and Pete. Chapter 2. The Star of Bethlehem, delayed by light winds, was some days overdue at Trinidad, and the skipper exploded in successive volcanoes from dawn till dusk. He was always in a rage, and, as Bent observed, if this sight of energy and cussing and swearing and to helling the ship's company was only shoved into the atmosphere, I judge we'd had a half a gale o' wind by now. The old man'll bust his biler sure as death, for he's done with it. But the winds kept baffling, and swearing did not mend them, nor yet blows, nor yet occasional football with Pete the boy. There is no reason to suppose that Skipper Spicer disliked Pete overmuch, not more than he hated any boy, but he was old-fashioned and altogether brutal, and needed something to kick at times. Moreover, a kick does not show on a negro, and many imagine that it is the only way of hurting him or explaining that you disagree with him. Once the mate ventured to intercede by virtue of his long acquaintance. "'We're old pals, Captain,' he said, "'and meanin' no disrespect, it's like this ere. "'You're killin' that little black devil. "'He's small, and you do well that hard. "'It don't show. "'If it did, maybe you'd feel sort of struck "'to find how you've rubbed it in. "'It's cause he's a good boy, I mention it. If he was a bad un, then I'd say lather on, and I'd help. But he minds his pigeon. Which you'd better do likewise, growled the skipper. All right, boss, sorry I spoke, meanin' no offense. Only it's generally allowed now by them as have studied the subject that Niggs is human, same as us, and has workin' souls also. Drivel and rot! I don't have none of that twaddle aboard this ship balderdash all of it to frighten women and get the money out of men i know nobody better than me cause i was a psalm singer myself among the best and what's come of it there ain't no god in these latitudes anyway else why did he play it so low down on me if there's any manner of god at all he killed my wife and my child for fun and i don't take no stock in a god as it do that I'll rip forward my own way now till he calls for my checks, which he's quite welcome to any time. Damn him. You might have joined that poor lady in the hintfant somewheres if you'd gone on banking reward aloft, same as you did for they was took. As to heaven, said the skipper, that's no mighty catch, if there is such a place. I never did fancy bawling shanties to a harp on a golden shore forever, not even in the old days. Pears to me that's a job as it get deep on the nerves after a century or two. Bent sniffed. The same idea had struck him. Maybe it's dull, Skipper, but it's reckoned the hijinks of a place alongside the bill you're always alludin' of to this ship's company. There's a golden strand, you bet. And that's the point, askin' pardon again. Niggs'll get a show up there, same as us. Not them. If there is a golden strand, as I don't believe, 
They won't make no Margaret Beach of it anyhow. Niggers ain't got souls, and if they have, it's only enough to take em to hell and chance it. Swines like them's lucky to go anywhere. Bent thought of the late Mrs. Spicer, but to have hinted that black blood flowed in her veins would have been a dangerous venture. Only he scratched his red beard and raised a terrific mental problem. If white folks had souls and black folks had none, what sort of eternity awaited the millions of mongrel people that filled the world? Nobody's got a soul, no more'n my monkey. So there's the end of the argument, said Spicer. Soul or none, he's a deal of sense for sartain, admitted the mate. Amazing deal of sense. And he takes kind to t'other Pete. If he could talk now, I'd bet he'd say to give the boy a chance off and on, to get a whole skin over his bones for a change. Which if he did, answered the other, I should say to him same as I do to you, to mind his own business. But the men were friends in twenty-four hours, for that night a fair wind came up out of the sea, the star of Bethlehem skipped along in a very creditable fashion, and Spicer thawed. Darn the old tub! She makes some of the new-fangled boats look silly yet, he said complacently to Bent, as a day later they lumbered through the dragon's teeth to Port of Spain. After leaving Trinidad, the little coaster proceeded to Tobago for a cargo of coconuts, and the crew viewed that circumstance with gratification, for the most heavy-witted amongst them never failed to notice how a visit to his former home softened the old man. On this occasion, as upon past trips, the palm-crowned mountains of Tobago brought a measure of peace into the skipper's heart, whilst a fair wind and a good cargo tended to improve that blissful condition. All hands reaped benefit, and to Dick Bent the captain grew absolutely communicative. They walked the deck together one morning on the homeward passage to Barbados, and Spicer lifted a corner of the curtain hiding his past. Then it was good to live like, but when my missus chucked it and took the baby along with her, life changed color. Now there's only two things in all creation I care a red cent about. One's a beast, t'other an old gold watch. Pretty mean goods to set your heart on, but all's I've got in the whole world. It's a mighty fine watch, said Bent. It is and chain too, for that matter. I was looking at him in my cabin only half an hour past. He brightened as he thought of the trinket, and continued, I doubt there's many better than me would fancy that chain across their bellies, but she— Lord deliver us, look aft, sang out the mate suddenly, interrupting and pointing to the hatch of the companion. Spicer's monkey had just hopped up on the deck, and from his black paw hung the skipper's watch and chain. Pete the Greater ambled along towards the bulwark, and a sweat burst from his master's face as he called the brute in a strange voice. But Pete was perverse. He reached the bulwark, and the skipper's nerve died in him. While Bent dared not take a step towards hastening the pending catastrophe or identifying himself therewith, it was a trying moment as the monkey made for his favorite perch on the mizzen rigging. And while he careered forward on all fours, the watch bumped, bumped against the ship's side. The sound brought the blood with a rush to Skipper Spicer's head. 
patience was no virtue of his at best and he jumped forward with a smothering curse the man had his hand within six inches of the watch when pete squeaked and dropped it into the sea there was a splash a gleam of gold and the treasure sank flashing and twinkling down through the blue dwindling to a bright submerged snake then vanishing forever a great gust of passion shook the man and tied his tongue he tried to swear but could only hiss and growl like an angry beast then he seized the monkey by the scruff of the neck as it jumped for his shoulder shook it and flung it overboard with a hurtling shower of oaths a red light blinded him he felt his temples bursting and he reeled away below not stopping to see a small brown head rise from the foam of the splash where pete had fallen the monkey fought for it as one might see a rat driven off shipboard into deep water two terrified eyes gazed upwards at his home while the star of bethlehem swept by him his red mouth opened with a yell and his black paws began beating the water hard as he fell astern presently pete sank for the first time then he came up again slowly and went on fighting but the skipper saw nothing he only felt the hot blood surging through his head as he flung himself on his bunk face downwards for a moment he thought death had gripped him but the threatened evil passed and his consciousness did not depart then thoughts came and flooded his brains with abomination of desolation he lay with his bald head on his arms and turned his mind back into the past to the smart stone cottage under palms at tobago he remembered so much and every shaft of memory brought him back with a round turn to the present there was the lemon tree with pete's perch on it his wife had loved the monkey he could see her now kissing its little nose and she had died with the gold watch ticking under her head her wedding ring was upon the chain of it she had tried to put it on his little finger before she went but it would not get over the second joint so she had slipped it upon the watch chain now god in heaven alone could tell what loathsome fish was nosing it under the sea and her monkey her last gift to him a live meal for a shark now the wide world remained to him empty save for the thought of what he had done no educated being can realize the blank or the bitterness in that man's mind just then he himself never guessed a quarter of what his vanished treasures had really been to him never until now when they were gone and the poison and the sting of it lay in conviction that his own demoniac temper was responsible for everything one mad moment which he would have given his soul to recall had brought him to this pass he lay heedless of time for nearly three hours then he sat up and looked round the cabin a worn aged man as he did so the door opened bent's small head peeped in and the mate spoke fit as a fiddle boss only a flea or two missing then the man shut the cabin door again but he left something behind pete the greater chattered and jumped to his perch in the corner and from there on to his master's berth 
he was dry warm and much as usual apparently and he bore no malice whatever spicer glared and his breath caught in his throat then he grabbed the brute to him till it squeaked while its owner began to snuffle and swear grateful oaths a tear or something like it dropped upon the flat nose of his friend but pete the greater had suffered enough from salt water for one day there was only one soul aboard the star of bethlehem who would have gone into a shark-haunted sea to save a monkey but that soul did not think twice about it he came on deck too late to see the catastrophe though in time to note pete the greater in the jaws of death had he known how the monkey came into the caribbean he might have doubted the propriety of attempting a rescue but he did not know and so he joined it the boy could swim like a duck and as bent lowered a boat smartly and the sharks stayed upon their maker's business elsewhere it was not long before pete and pete came aboard together but meantime their master on his bunk did not even know that the ship had been hove to they emptied the water out of pete the monkey and gave pete the negro some rum both were jolly in an hour and it is recorded that skipper spicer chose to take peculiar views of the gravity of the incident it seems certain at least that he seldom kicked his cabin boy again which fact alone argued a considerable increase of prosperity for pete the less end of section nineteen